Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 7. Obviously, I'm stepping away from the series called Turning Points, those uh, pivotal moments from the book of Acts. We're moving away from that briefly today in order to address what we're seeing going on in our nation and our land. The title of the message today is God's Will for Racial Harmony from Revelation chapter 7. And while you're finding that, this is the key concept. The church of Jesus Christ must model and advocate racial harmony. This is the time of the year when normally on our Quail campus we engage in one of the favorite things that we do, and that is tapestry of quail. Tapestry of Quail is an annual event that we put on to celebrate the various ethnic groups that make up our united fellowship here at Quail. It's when we state in words and in actions that we are from various ethnic backgrounds, we're from various language groups, various skin tones, but we recognize and celebrate the fact that we are all one in Jesus Christ. We are living and serving Him in harmony. But sadly, it is this very harmony that's missing in our nation today, and it's something that needs to be addressed as we reach out to one another in love. We did that yesterday in the rally for unity downtown. Friday, I sent out a newsletter where I addressed the, the issue of racial divisions that's, that's happening as we saw it erupt once again. And I stated that I will seek to explain to you today that the ultimate solution for our struggle for unity and respect and love for all is the transforming love of Jesus Christ. We have a skin color problem in our society because we have a sin problem in our hearts. It is a sin to hate another person simply because of the color of their skin. It is a sin to kneel on someone's neck until they die. It is right for us to speak out against these kinds of sin. It is also a sin to use an opportunity for that true speech for selfish gains and violent actions of looting and stealing and rioting, and it is right for us to speak out against those things as well. God wills that we live in harmony, and God is bringing His people to a future where racial and ethnic harmony will actually be the norm, will be in place. And we get a glimpse of that future from Revelation chapter 9. Read with me, excuse me, chapter 7, verse 9. Read with me, Revelation 7, uh, verse 9. Follow along as I read. John is speaking and he has a vision of heaven and he says this, After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the vision of heaven. Heaven is a multi-ethnic place in multi-ethnic worship, worshiping the Lord Jesus. Last week I mentioned, uh, just kind of as a sidelight, that the Apostle Paul in, Col in Colossians 3 asks us to set our minds and our hearts to things above, 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Here's the, the context. It says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your hearts and your minds on heavenly things, says the Apostle Paul. And then in Revelation 7, the Apostle John gives us a picture of what heaven is like. Multi-ethnic worship, every tribe, every nation, every language, every people group will be represented in glory. Because in heaven, our identity will not be about our race or the color of our skin. In heaven, our identity will be about our Savior. So there's simply no room for racial or ethnic prejudice for a follower of Jesus Christ. We are all to be one here because we will be there in glory. I, th I think this, God wants us to practice now for what we will be doing in heaven one day. August 28, 1963, 250,000 people gathered in Washington, D.C., and they listened to an address by Dr. Martin Luther King. He said these now famous words, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they'll not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That is a multi-ethnic dream. It is a biblical dream, and it is ultimately God's dream. Now, I'm a pastor. I'm not an activist. I'm not a community organizer. When I speak, I seek to speak what I know to be the heart of God for His people, the church. But I also know that the church of Jesus Christ will influence the world when we model what Christ wants to see in us. In other words, it is a right and wonderful thing when Christians from different ethnic backgrounds, different skin tones, worship and rejoice and grow and serve and fellowship together. Where that is happening, Christ is being exalted. And I want that to continue to happen here at Quail Lakes Baptist Church and to grow and to grow in our influence to the world around us. Because that dream of Dr. King is a biblical dream and it is God's dream. Let me tell you this morning why Racial prejudice is a sin to be cast out of the life of any follower of Jesus Christ. Today I want to go over four reasons from the Bible while that is the fact. And reason number one is because we all come from one human ancestor. In Acts 17, Paul is speaking to the Athenians. And there in Athens, he says this in verse 26, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Now that phrase, every nation, in Greek is panethnos, all ethnic groups. See, ethnic groups are not a mistake. God made them. Ethnic groups are not an accident. God made them. God constructed humanity into a tapestry. And a tapestry of humanity is by God's design. God made every ethnos. 
We all come from one human ancestor, and we are united in that. Now, this is an important thing for Paul as he speaks to the Greeks there in Athens, because the Athenians considered themselves to be superior to other people groups. They considered themselves to be on another level, and the reason was embedded in their mythology. They believed that the Athenians sprang from the ground of Athens, and they were unlike in their origination like other people groups. They didn't come from someplace else. And as a result of that, they felt that they were superior people. And Paul takes that prejudice on head on, and he says, no, God made us all from one, and he made us pan-ethnos, many ethnic groups. All of this is God's idea. But what we have in common is much more powerful and profound than the differences between us. And we are to remember that. I I like the story about the Korean boy, a five-year-old Korean boy named Eric. He was adopted by an American couple, came to live in the United States. And one day, uh, Eric and his family went out to dinner, and they were in a diner with those booths with the very big backs on the chairs and so forth, and they were lined up on the wall, the booths were lined up on the wall, and, and they were in one booth having their dinner, and there was a family next to them, also with a five-year-old boy, also having their dinner, and as five-year-old boys would do, they stood on the seat and looked over to the booth next to them. And the two five-year-old boys were, were kind of, you know, making friends and talking to each other. And finally, the other boy said to Eric, why does your mother look different than you? And without missing a beat, Eric's response was this, because she's a girl. That's the only difference he saw. You see, the other differences kind of faded away in his mind. Now, I tell you that story to highlight the beautiful innocence of that child, but I don't tell you that story because I believe we are meant to be colorblind. I don't believe that. In fact, here at Quail, we use the model of a tapestry to emphasize the fact that we're not colorblind. A tapestry depends on the difference of the colors. That's what makes a tapestry beautiful. If it were all one color, it would cease to be what it is. We are not to be colorblind. We are to be color celebrative. In other words, we should rejoice in the colors. We should visualize the colors. We should allow the colors to give the tapestry the beauty that it has. But realize that behind the variety, there is unity. There is sameness. We all want the same thing. We all need the same thing. We all want and need love and respect and hope and opportunity. We all want and need joy and purpose and meaning. We all unite in those things, and God understands that. For from one, He brought the many. There's a second biblical reason for racial harmony, and that is we all, no matter what ethnic group, are created in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All members of all ethnic groups carry the image of God. There is equal value in the eyes of God, and there ought to be in our sight towards one another. We all have immortal souls. 
We all have reasoning. We all have intellect. We all have creativity. We all have potential for relationships. We all have a moral comprehension. We are each eternal beings that will live forever, and we are challenged, each of us from every ethnic group, to ask the question, where will I live forever? In other words, what have I done with the offer of salvation that Jesus gives us? We are all united in that, and the Bible teaches that. Thirdly, the Bible teaches that God wills that passionate, lifelong followers of Jesus come from every ethnic group. In Matthew chapter 28, it is Jesus who is speaking, and He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. When Matthew translates Jesus' words into Greek, which which he wrote in as he wrote this, this gospel, he uses the same phrase that Paul uses as he speaks Greek to the Athenians, and that is when he says all nations, the words are pan-ethnos, every ethnic group. He has created every ethnic group. He has invested every ethnic group with his image. Every ethnic group shares a common ancestor in Adam, and God wants to redeem every ethnic group and call them to all of us to himself to enable us to follow Jesus together God loves pan-ethnos, and so must we. But there's a fourth reason that the dream of Dr. King is biblical, and it is God's dream. And it is because believers in Jesus Christ have a greater identity in our unity as brothers and sisters in Christ than any separate identity we have in an ethnic group. Now, this point is a big deal for believers. It's about who we are in Jesus. Who we are in Jesus defines us above every other point in identity. When the transforming love of Jesus gets hold of our lives, this not only is the solution for the sin problem as His forgiveness is a part of our experience, but it is specifically the solution for the skin problem. When you are a follower of Christ, that is your primary identity. Now, I love it that I'm an American citizen. I feel blessed to be, have more, been born in this nation. But I'm a follower of Jesus Christ first and above that. I love it that I come from Italian descent and I can talk about my grandparents coming over through Ellis Island, seeking a new life in the new world. But I'm a follower of Jesus Christ first. You, believer, you have some sort of ethnic background, I'm sure, but you are a Christ follower first. That is your primary label, your primary identification point, and that has implications. Paul shows us those implications in Galatians 3. He says this, all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. What is he saying? He's saying that the distinctions are wiped away. It's the end of discrimination because of ethnicity. It's the end of discrimination because of class. It's the end of discrimination because of gender. 
Certainly the Bible shows us there are different roles as we serve Jesus, but none of those role differences are embedded in worth differences. They are, we are all equally valued, part of the family of God. See, here are the words of Jesus Christ Himself. I alluded to them earlier, but in John 17, Jesus is praying what we call the high priestly prayer. And He says this to God the Father, I have given them the glory that You gave Me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, You in Me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that You sent Me and have loved them even as You have loved Me. Did you catch the result statement that Jesus prays in that prayer? That they, that they are in unity to let the world know that you have sent me. Jesus sees that there is a powerful evangelistic force and evangelistic impact when the church of Jesus Christ lives in harmony, lives in unity. We are more united by our humanity than we are separated by our ethnicity. That's true of all people. But as Christians, we have an even greater unity. We are joined together in Christ. We are part of the body with Jesus as our head. We are adopted into a new family with a heavenly Father. And all of this has implications for the way that we should live and love one another. We Christ followers are called to multi-ethnic harmony here. Practice here so that we can have a little glimpse of heaven here. So what are the implications for that? What, what would that mean for us? Here are some practical things that it will mean. Number one, it means that we must banish unloving thoughts and hurtful speech from our vocabulary when it comes to race issues. If we blow it in that area, we must confess and repent and forgive and renew our commitment to ethnic harmony and love. The easiest thing to do, brothers and sisters, is to separate our church fellowships so that our church fellowships don't res uh, respect or look like the spectrum of God's people. But I don't think that's God's will. I think His will is that we do the harder work and that we come together and that we make things look a little more like heaven right here, right now. It'll take work, but we must do it. And it starts with a respect and a care in the way that we treat and we speak to one another. Secondly, we must go out of our way to show affection for our family members of ethnic, uh, of different ethnicities. You say to yourself, well, why should I go out of my way? You should go out of your way to do it because left to ourselves without taking effort, we will not do it. Left to ourselves with not without taking effort, we will gravitate to people who are just like ourselves. Our human history shows that. And Satan wants to come and sow seeds of discord. He wants to come and create animosity. He wants to come and create problems where harmony and love should exist. And it's going to take effort to fight against that. That's why we need to go out of our way to do it. Thirdly, we must demonstrate our multi-ethnic tapestry to the community around us, to Stockton and to the world, so that they can see what true reconciliation looks like because of a transformation in the, inner, in the inner heart. That's the secret. 
I believe that unity and harmony among Christ's followers is a powerful demonstration of His ability to accomplish what we cannot do through willpower alone. We can't just make it, grit our teeth and try to make it work just on human strength. We need God's strength to be able to do this. The property of Jesus, that's the people of Jesus. When we demonstrate that we are in love with one another in a multi-ethnic way, it is a powerful voice. But when we can't show that, it silences our witness. Why? Because we live in a multi-ethnic world and a multi-ethnic nation and a multi-ethnic city. And we don't want the message of Jesus Christ to look like it doesn't make a difference when it does. It changes everything. It is the answer. Fourthly, we must be sensitive to our ethnic differences, but celebrate the unity that we have in Jesus Christ. In Him, division is done away with. In Him, we are all adopted into a new family. We all carry a new family name. The family name is Christian, and that's the identity that is supreme. Therefore, we love and we aid and we help and we bless and we encourage one another. Without that, tragedy, the tragedy that we're seeing around us. Jesus is the answer. I once heard a, a story about a tragic occurrence in a Canadian town. It was some years ago, and it was in the winter when the snow was falling. It was a blustery day, and, and a little girl wandered away from her home in the midst of a, snow, a snowstorm. And it was soon noticed, of course, that she was missing. People frantically were searching. They got others together. Friends and family joined in. The police were called. And initially, they were encouraged because in the snow, they, they saw her footprints. And so they were hopeful that they could quickly follow. But the snow was blowing so much that the, the footprints uh, weren't uh, steadily there. Some of the, the, them had been erased, and it looked like she was headed into a wooded area. And so they started just kind of going into that area, calling her name, ser uh, searching for her frantically with no results until the time came that it was start the sun was starting to set. This was getting really serious. And so finally, one of them said, listen, instead of us just all kind of going our way, you know, looking, let's make a chain. Let's join hands and go into this area of woods together, hand in hand, so that we can be sure to cover every inch. And that's just what they did. But as the sun was setting, tragically, they found her in a little ball. She had frozen to death. The grief was overwhelming. People were crying. But one voice screamed out amongst the grief, and it said this, If only we had joined hands earlier. That's the moment that we are in right now. This is the will of God, especially for His people, to join hands, to link up, to celebrate the harmony that we have, let the world know about the transforming power of Jesus Christ, to accomplish what seems to be beyond human ability. Let the world see that no matter the ethnic background, we are called to serve our Lord hand in hand, side by side, we glorify Jesus together. We are called to model the unity that He Himself said, this will be part of the world knowing that, that You sent me, God, if these My followers are one, for He is the Savior of all. 
red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in His sight. They need to be precious to us as well. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your encouraging love. And we pray that you help us as a nation and as a people and as especially your people to pull away from the agenda of hate, from the agenda of discrimination and prejudice, and help us to move toward a heart of unity, to model love, to recognize that you have created all ethnic groups so that we are a tapestry of glory for you. And may you receive the glory because of the work that you have done in our hearts. Help us, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The team is going to come once again and lead us in a closing song. A tapestry of glory for you. I love that, and that's exactly what the heart of this song is before Pastor Mark returns for our benediction. So let's begin.
this week I've been watching the protests and the demonstrations that have been going on around our nation. We've been protesting against unlawful policing and we've been standing up for racial harmony. And I see a, a lot of people putting themselves in the place of others that they've never done before, thinking about what it would be like to be somebody other than themselves for the first time. The verse that comes to my mind as I have been watching that and seeing that happen is Galatians 6.2. Paul says, carry each other's burdens and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. That's what we're meant to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that to carry each other's burdens takes awareness, it takes nearness, it takes willingness. It takes humility to do that. But we pray that this would be the mark of the family of Quail Lakes Baptist Church. That we would be willing to put ourselves in the place of the other. We would be willing to lift up the burden of the other and to sacrifice our own selves, our own comfort, our own time to fulfill the law of God. Help us do that, we pray. In this week ahead, we'll have a chance Give us the strength to obey, for we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for watching today.